Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, I had a, I had a case I had, I had a case in Leicester um, where, very disturbing case, where client rapes ex-girlfriend um, runs outside, takes a cab driver hostage, firearm, head, takes him to the middle of the road, kicks him out of the car, drives to another girl and attempts to rape another girl. All right, episode 43, TBC podcast, um, brought to you by GRM Daily. We have a very special guest in the house tonight, if you'd like to introduce yourself first. Uh, my name's Tunde Okiwali MBE. And we are joined by Trudy Barry and Rebecca Jods. And we have an MBE in the house, a very oh. important person in the community that serves. And, and all I got was a Capri Sun. And all he got was a Capri You're Sun. You're lucky he didn't which, get tap which was, which was 40 pence, apparently. Um, <laughs> that, I was actually, you got I was two. Told the price. Man's got high ambitions of his life. <laughs> it's not even high ambitions, like a tea, herbal tea. Wow. Oh, we got peppermint tea, actually. Well, that wasn't offered to me. <laughs> Look at you this. Know, when I first came in, I was told tap water. What would have been your perfect cold drink? Uh, whiskey, to be fair. A whiskey ginger. It's a classy yeah. man. No, not not here, boy. Man. So for those that don't, the name that doesn't ring to the masses, what is it that you do? Just let the people know. Um, so I'm a barrister by trade. Um, the work I do comprises of criminal law both internationally and domestically. Um, I also do sports law, so representing clubs, players, um, and I have a charity called Urban Lawyers, which helps young people know their legal rights, but also gives them support if they want to pursue a career in law as well. So how did you get started into law? What attracted you to take this career path? Most of my friends were criminals. So, <laughs> wow. um, it's a good you business. Know, like, I'll help you out. No, no, like, you know, it was a case where, you know, I grew up in Hackney before it became posh. Um, pre-Olympics um, and I grew up in a council estate so in many instances I had a lot of people who didn't necessarily have the same support networks that I had um, and they chose an alternative career path and I thought that wow the best thing for me to do would be able to be of assistance to the people from the community that I came from so I became a lawyer and bizarrely that's kind of the reason why I've been you know as successful um, as some people think I have been because when I first started it was the people from the community that were coming to me. Um, and I was getting murder cases literally after being in the job for like 12 months. Are you serious? And customarily, people have to wait like 10 years to get those cases. But the people would call my brother and say, oh my gosh, this person's in trouble. Can your brother help? We know he's a lawyer. Um, 
and it was just me having that kind of grassroots background. Yeah. Um, I'd been involved in charity work before, but people just trusting me and me just getting that work in and people knowing that I come from the same environment so I can understand it and I can also communicate it because ultimately the 12 people in the jury, the judge and the other barristers in many cases can't understand. They won't, they don't. Um, you know, I had a case where um, I had to explain that ting could have, you know, various different meanings depending on the context. So, for example, you may show your girl your tings. Yeah, or you might reference walk with a ting. To your, to your genitalia. You yeah. might walk with a ting, reference to weapons. You may give your girl some tings. Yeah. So, it's all context specific. But ting is a drink as well. Exactly. Ting is a drink. Um, but it could also be referenced to something um, illegal or criminal. So, have you, got, have you got that ting? Yeah. Yeah? Or it could be referenced to someone of the opposite sex. Are you going to go see that ting? It's a broad... You must so, have been yeah. explaining for so, time. So, I've never thought so, about all so, the different meanings so, of ting before. So it was more a case that... In that particular case, it was text messages um, in a drugs case where the prosecution was saying that ting was a reference to, you know, class A drugs. And I was trying to, you know, illustrate that it could be a reference to anything. It could be yeah, a reference to... It's a broad, it's um, a broad scale. And it all depends. And the only people that were going to know are the people that are involved in the conversation. Mm. Um, and in the way I demonstrated it is by saying, you know, to the jury, how many instances do you have special language or phrases that you use with people that others won't necessarily understand? And they may hear it and come to a different conclusion, but that's not in fact what you meant. Um, and it's just having that ability coming from that background and being able to explain it that's helped me. Do you find that <clears throat> going into court, have you ever felt like the elephant in the room being a black man? Listen, the, I remember... I think maybe the fourth occasion I went to court, they tried to put me in a dock. Are you serious? <laughs> I, was in, I was in like a three-piece suit. Yeah. No, to this day, I have to laugh about it. I was in a three-piece suit and I turned up and I went to go speak to the list caller. So when you go to the magistrate's court, there's someone who's responsible for making sure everyone arrives and they call out your name when your case is ready. So I arrive and the practice as a lawyer is you tell the list caller, I'm the lawyer for such and such. Um, my clients here are ready to go on. So before I can say anything, it's like, wait there, I'll let you know when your lawyer arrives. So I'm, I'm a bit confused. And then lo and behold, um, he calls the case in. I come in and I'm still trying to speak to him and he tries to put me into the dock. Wow. And <clears throat> it was um, an embarrassing experience because I was in a three-piece suit. And of course. Suit was a nice, it was a nice suit. <laughs> but it also, it was more a case that, um, that irrespect that he was only able to identify me in one particular way. And it was interesting because one view could be, oh my gosh, he's racist. Or an alternative view could have been, he's never seen a black barrister. Yeah. And even though I was in a suit, his experience of dealing with people within that court context is that even if they're in a suit, they're criminals. Yeah, black and men it, only turn up to court yeah. in suits. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so it, it was just an interesting um, experience for me. And, and I felt it. Um, there were many other instances where, for example, um, everyone in the courtroom is white, except for me and the defendant. <laughs> oh, that's um, hard, isn't it? <laughs> um, but... Again, that's more of a systemic problem in terms of overrepresentation in terms of the criminal justice system, but underrepresentation in relation to diversity in terms of lawyers, judges. Because there's so, no, no black Supreme Judge or at the top. They're all white. I was watching a documentary. No Supreme Court judges, yeah. no. Like, um, no one at the top is... Like, not off. yet. Not yet. But what you have to also remember is that um, these are institutions that have existed for so many hundreds of years. Of course, yeah. And progress isn't going to be as quick as we'd like it to be. Um, I have to kind of accept that there, there is some progress because I'm here. Yeah. So, 
the only ins- the only issue is it should be quicker, um, and something actually needs to be done because it's not reflective of the society that we live in. So we do need representation at every level in terms of the law, um, but then that also starts with like, the police. People will say, "I don't want to be a police. I don't want to be a fed." But to me, that doesn't make any sense because you're going to complain about disproportionate stop and search. You're going to complain about injustices. But if you don't engage with the system, mm. how do you expect it to operate or change, to benefit yeah. you or change? And people don't actually understand that by operating outside of it, it's to your own detriment. We need more police officers that represent the communities that they're in fact working in. They don't understand it. How will they? Saying that, um, a lot of people, as much as like you, the change is needed and people should go and forward and look, they can't join the law because as far as they're concerned, it's like they're not going to make that change. Do you know what I mean? They've got to deal with the race. The law's already been labelled institutionally racist and to, they feel, it'd feel like a mountain, climbing up a mountain with like ice skates. Do you know what I'm saying? See, I see, I see your point, but then it's more a case where there, there are two ways to look at anything in life. You can either look at things in a state of progress or in a thing of or a state of decay. Okay. And if you look at it in a state of decay, there's no point doing anything to be fair. But if you look at it in a progressive state, there's always something that can be done. And it's more a case that let's say for example, um I had a case uh not too long ago. It wasn't actually a serious case. Um I did it because um the defendant was known to to someone um that was close to me and he was charged with possession of a bladed article. Just carrying a knife. The evidence, even the police said that this kid should not be charged because it was clearly self-defense. He was still charged. They still charged him. They still charged him. Um, the brief facts of the case is that two boys come to where he lives. He'd be speaking to my girl, come outside. He steps outside. One brandishes a knife. Another one comes. He runs inside. Boys are still coming towards him. He grabs a knife and he scares them off. The boys run away, he waits. The police arrive, he explains to the police what happens. The police arrest him. But isn't that self-defense if it's in... Yeah. Um, The police police arrest him. Um, Despite arresting him, um, the police, the officer in the case, in fairness to him, him, he said, don't worry, you're not going to be charged for this. So defendant's thinking, okay, this is fine. He gets charged. At every stage... The police, even during the trial, the officer's saying, look, it's not fair. I don't think you... And they made efforts to try and... But it didn't happen. It still happened. And we had to go through a trial. Fortunately, he was acquitted. But it was just more a case that communicating to the jury, and it's quite difficult, that it was self-defense for a young black man, particularly where we live in an environment where knife crime, you know, is seen very negatively, was defending himself by taking a knife out in the public. And it's just having that ability to communicate and explain to him what was going through his mind. Someone who's unable to empathise with him can't do that. So by you saying, well, what's the point? It's not going to change. You're right. It won't change unless you, you know, become proactive and you get involved. And you being involved, may not necessarily you be being a lawyer, you may be a magistrate. So for example, you don't have to be a lawyer to be a magistrate. You can volunteer to be a magistrate and you're, in essence, a judge in the magistrate's court. True. Yeah? True. And we can engage in the system. The magistrate's court has the highest convic- higher conviction rate than the Crown Court anyway. So it's more important that we have equality and fairness in the lower courts 
people should be magistrates. But they have a theory that the magistrate, like if anyone, the theory is in the hood that if you get to the magistrate, if you get in your magistrates, you look, yeah, you you, you want to press for Crown Court because a jury would... Yeah, but, 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 that's, yeah. that, but that's my point. That's my point because they perceive that there's not fairness in the magistrates court because people from the community are not volunteering to be magistrates. If you have people from the community volunteering to be magistrates, they'd be able to look at the facts perhaps in a different way. That's true. And, you know, the one thing that I'm quite passionate about is people not making excuses. People will say, oh my gosh, it's not fair. What are you doing about it? Uh, There's no point in doing anything about it. Well, you're contributing to the problem. You know, being passive, you know, is equally as bad as being active in the wrong way, in my opinion. Mm. How do you find it like (laughs) finishing a day at court? How do you switch off? If a madness has happened I go to the gym. I go to the gym. Like, literally, before I arrived here, um, I was coming from court, I go to the gym. Um, You kind of forget about... uh, It's not even really that I kind of forget about it. It's more a case that, you know, I de-stress. I always think about my cases, but from a a non-emotive position. I think about it in an occupational way. So I'm thinking about how could I have done better? You know, did I ask all the questions that I should have done? Should I have said it in a particular way? And that's kind of my thought process. Um, There are very few cases that emotionally have just stuck with me and I thought about. Um, The first case I ever lost. Whoa. I had that. That, 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 Is it a long one? Um, It was was actually, it it was a common assault, a bank tube station. And the reason why it impacted me was because I was on a winning streak. And kind um, of like football got, matches, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I got quite complacent and I was very confident. And it was more a case that it was a wake up call. Don't get comfortable. Yeah. Um, and stay hungry. Um, so that, that, was, that was it, to be fair. It was just more me thinking, she was going to be convicted regardless, but me just thinking I could have pushed myself a bit harder and that irrespective of me winning, it doesn't make a difference. Every case is a new case and just keep going. Um, the first Crown Court case I lost shocked me because the sentence he got. <laughs> so I was doing a job for about 18 months and I'd had an importation drugs case, chap from Holland, um, travelled to Brazil via Spain. And Amsterdam, Spain, Brazil. And unfortunately, the plane had to detour via London. So that's the only reason why. And it's quite interesting because it was only recently that I realised that from Amsterdam to Spain is a domestic flight. You don't go through customs. So my brain realised why that was the path that was taken. So when he stopped at Heathrow on this diversion, they check his bags and he's got six women's handbags. And inside the bags, drugs. Okay, um, quite a lot of drugs. Um, what are we looking at? Five, five, six kilos? Cocaine, marijuana. Cocaine. Okay. Okay. Um, and his defense was that, his defense was that he had bought handbags for his ex-wife, his daughter, um, and some other female friends, and he didn't know that there were drugs <laughs> in the bags. Because you can play, what's the, what's the, what's the, um, what's, the, what's that word everyone be using? Um, when, when, Plausible deniability or something. That didn't work. Um, <laughs> oh, reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that didn't work. It was more a case that, certainly in drugs cases, you got, in essence, in most cases, two defences. You didn't have knowledge of the drugs, you didn't mm. have control of the drugs. And he was saying, well, fair enough, they were in my control, but I didn't know the drugs were in the bag. And it shocked me because when he was convicted, he got 12 years. 
And wow, you have to if, serve the full twelve in it as well. If it's over ten or something like that, it was like the sh- the shock was because I'd done cases where so yeah, where people got six months and etc. But that was like pow, and the way that the judge was so forensic, it was so clinical. It was like wow, and that that was a shock for me. Um, Obviously, you sleep. have to you have to like console your client afterwards as well. Is that um, difficult to do? I'm off, mate. See you later. Yeah, no, no. you don't even say goodbye. Like Twelve years, yo. Yeah. Send, send business my way if you need any of your friends, mate. I might help you. Know, to to be fair, um, f- for that particular case, um, not really. Um, it was quite bizarre because he he knew he was just taking a chance because his instructions were quite ludicrous. He was, he was pretty okay about it. He was like, thank you very much, you did your best. And he was quite relaxed. Um, there are other cases where um, the clients are quite emotional. So for example, um, I had a trial, murder, murder trial, um, 17-year-old convicted for murder. I'd never seen him break down and cry before, but once he, once he heard the sentence, so even when he was convicted, he didn't break down and cry. It was when he heard the sentence that he broke down and started crying. Um, and that was quite difficult because no matter what I said, it, it didn't it's console gonna stick. Yeah. yeah, the sentence is the sentence. The mum was present. No matter what I said to the mum, mm. so yeah. there, was, there, there, wasn't, there isn't anything. You, you kind of feel powerless at that point when you lose, to be fair. Yeah. Um, the only thing you can do is advise on potential appeals, um, Obviously, you have to stay quite questions. level-headed at that time, and you always, have to think always. about what their next option is when, if they have they're... one. <laughs> wow. to, be, to be fair, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, cold. Be, be, no, no. Be, being brutally honest, in, in many in many instances, if there are no grounds of appeal, there's no point giving someone you know any false, false hope. hope or yeah. This is it, mate. You're gonna have yeah. to ride that out, yeah. man. Do you know because, what I mean? Um, if, for example, there's a you, you, uh, there's a meritless appeal, if there's a meritless appeal, the court of appeal are entitled to deduct any time that you've served. So imagine now, for example, you've been inside for about a year. They can say, for wasting our time, that year you spent doesn't count, your set, and you start wow. serving as a, as a fresh. So you have to be quite careful That's about... very harsh. Well, not necessarily, because if you know that there are no grounds, then it's a waste of court time. Right. And what are you doing, to be fair? Um, okay. you, you, don't, you don't just take a punt to say, well, let's see if it works. It doesn't really work that way, to be fair. You have to be able to demonstrate that something went wrong during the trial process mm. or the sentencing process. Mm. What's the longest case you've ever done? In terms of duration of time? Yeah. Um, maybe three months. You must get like emotionally attached. No. Like mash up. Nope. Really? Can no. you stay Three completely months. objective? But emotionally attached to what? To your client. No. It's a case where... You've got to have that separation. It, it's a it? case where, like, there are lots of clients that I like, um, but I'm here to do a job. Have you stayed in contact with any of your clients after, on um, a non-professional basis? Just like, if you need me again. Only one, to be fair. Yeah. Only one. Um, that Just was... go down the pub, have a pint. That was a client who was convicted of murder in 2002... And in 2014, um, was able to success- successfully get that conviction quashed. Wow. Um, he has a few businesses. Um, and whenever I'm, I travel, if I'm in the area, I'll let him know I'm around. Mm. Um, Can you talk about that case? Or Yeah. So th- that was a case where 
he was alleged to be involved um, in a gang in Manchester, the Cheatham Hill gang. And it was said that someone in the gang killed someone from the rival gang. Um, it wasn't alleged that he was the killer, but certainly the evidence was that he was involved. Um, there was gun gunpowder residue found in his coat. Um, there was evidence from one of the co-defendants who turned cutthroat that he was the driver on the day. And it was interesting in a sense that it was the first ever case that was student-led. So it was students that led this appeal. Um, and to date, it's the only one that's been successfully appealed. Because of yourself? Um, no, it, it was a team effort. So um, there was a QC involved. Um, the students worked very hard. Um, and ultimately, I think it was a contribution that was made by everyone that, that enabled the result to happen. So have you ever been in court and like a defendant's ever lied to you and you're hearing about it in the court where you're like, yo, like we didn't, where was this? Like this was a part of the play, bro. It's, it's, it's an occupational hazard. Um, maybe I'm just cynical. I just think everybody lies to me to be fair. Because yeah. um, if, if they say to you, yeah, I did it, but I'm going to plead not guilty. You can't, can't go can't, along they, with they that. They can't do that. They can't they, do like that. they can't say yeah. that to you. People have this kind of misconception that lawyers are told by their clients, I know I'm guilty, but get me off. And yeah. the lawyers go out and do it. Yeah. It's not true. And that's the reason why people ask that redundant question. How can you defend someone if you know they did it? Um, if a client says, I did it, then the only time you're able to defend that person is if that you're not giving evidence to say that the person didn't do it. So the way you can challenge a case is two ways. Firstly, you say that there's insufficient evidence, so you can't prove I did it, or you say, I didn't do it. And it, they're, they're slightly different. Now, if someone tells you that they did it, you can't say to the court, I didn't do it, because you're not allowed to mislead the court. But if the evidence is weak, you are permitted to say, there's insufficient evidence for you to prove that my client did it. Mm. Make sense? Yeah, it's because yeah. it's what you can prove, I heard. It's like... It's innocent until yeah. proven guilty, isn't it? I heard so, it's what you can prove in court is what matters because it doesn't matter if you're at the scene of the crime, it's what you can actually physically prove that will get you convicted. And But it's, but it's interesting because the test is to be satisfied so that you're sure. It used to be beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm... I don't know, are jurors ever really sure? Can you ever really be sure? And the prosecution have to prove that as a defendant, as a defence representative, you don't have to prove anything at all. Um, the most you have to do is establish some doubt. Okay. That's your, that's what you go in on as a play. You go establish the, the doubt. That's, that's your, is that your game mode? Like establish um, the doubt? It depends on the case. So each case is different. Um, there are some cases where the evidence is weak. Um, an example of that is the CBS case. Can you talk about that? Yeah? Um, I can talk about the case. Um, certainly from my understanding of the case is that evidentially there was insufficient evidence yeah. um, for it to be left to the jury. Um, essentially what happened was one of the witnesses um, gave evidence in a way which was inconsistent with the prosecution case, which then meant there was no case. Yeah, it's not lining up, yeah. But how can they arrest him if there's no evidence? Because they obviously didn't catch well, him in motion. We haven't. So not to allegedly. Of there, course, there are, there are two types of evidence. So, for example, there's direct evidence, evidence where someone says, "I saw you do it," or it's recorded or it's captured. 
or there's circumstantial evidence, which means that it doesn't necessarily directly implicate you, but an inference can be drawn. So an example of that is, let's say the police raid this venue now and they find drugs. If they found your fingerprints on the bag, but you weren't in the room, an inference could be drawn that you touched the drugs and that you may put the drugs there. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, yeah. What they may then do is they may look at the CCTV and they may see, well, you're the last person that was in here. So even though you, they may not have direct evidence that you put the drugs in here or you may have done it, there is separate pieces of circumstantial evidence that added together allows them to put forward a case. And in many murder cases, drugs cases, there's a reliance placed on circumstantial evidence. So even though there's not direct evidence, there may be evidence of telephone calls, association with this person, cell site evidence, that even though there isn't a direct witness, adding it all up together, the prosecution ordinarily say, gives them a picture which is sufficient to be left before a jury. Isn't that conspiracy though? Or... Um, it depends. It, it, is it not? It, or... What do you mean by, is it conspiracy? Because like... You can piece things together. Yeah. But if there's inconsistencies in, with your piecing... But that's what happened in the CBS case. So what ordinarily happens is that as a defence representative, your job is to undermine the pieces or demonstrate that the pieces don't necessarily fit or there are alternative explanations. So, for example, an explanation for your print, you know, on the bag of drugs is that, well, it was a carrier bag that you touched two days earlier someone else used it to put the drugs in. You see what I mean? Yeah, of course. So that's the way that you would necessarily answer it, by demonstrating that there are alternative inferences that can be drawn. But that's certainly one way of the prosecution and the police proving a case through circumstantial evidence. Because as you'll notice from that case, there was no direct evidence yeah, there of was, anyone saying, yeah. I saw him do it or he did it. It was, it was a circumstantial evidence case. So with, with those, is it, do you find that the conviction rate is higher or lower when it comes to circumstantial? Is it more of a um, can you more bus case per se? Or? Um, every case is different. Um, there isn't necessarily a specific formula. If a case is like this, it means you're going to win. A case like that, it's gonna, it all depends on the facts of the case. It depends on the strength of the evidence and also what type of circumstantial evidence as well. Okay. So it all depends. How long have you actually been a barrister for? Uh, be 10 years in November. Are you having a turn up? <laughs> turn up, Shubs. I don't, I... I don't know because if I did and I invited you guys, you should be bringing Capri oh, Sun. Oh, he's going to buzz. <laughs> you should be bringing Capri Sun. Can I just... Okay, so this may sound like a dumb question, but can you just break down the differences between a solicitor and a barrister for me okay, for a second, so, apart from the wig? <laughs> and the gown. And the um, gown. Now, historically... Um, the difference was the solicitor would be responsible for preparing the case mm -hmm. and would be the first point of contact. So if you got into trouble, the first person you would contact is a solicitor. Um, the barrister was a person who was a specialist advocate that would go to court, present the case on your behalf. That historically was the distinction between the two professions. However, that distinction has become blurred. Right. Where solicitors now can go to court, mm. they can wear wigs and gowns, Barristers can now go to the police station, where historically they couldn't go to the police station before. Barristers can now be direct access, meaning that you don't have to contact the solicitor first. You can go to the barrister direct. Yeah. So the police must hate that, innit? So, so, so now, <laughs> so now, it's the difference is more academic, um, because practically they can do the same things. Mm. Um, the only 
difference that remains is in relation to clients' money. Barristers are not allowed to handle clients' money and barristers are not unable to litigate um, on their clients' behalf. However, um, there's been introduced a course that barristers can take which will enable them to litigate to an extent. So even that yeah. um, has become diluted. So the difference now in reality is really very small. Mm. Um, barristers are self-employed, whereas solicitors work in a firm. a firm. However, yeah. there are barristers that can work in a solicitor's firm. I see. So it's very <laughs> so fluid. I'm so not it's really. Very, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So it's very, it's very fluid. Yeah. Have you ever had like a day in court and someone's come up to you after you've won or something and been like, you bastard? Like, how did you pull that off? Like, how did you defend? Um, Good question. Like, you know, when it's like all doubts are against you and you've pulled it off like top draw. Like, uh, they never say you bastard. Um, <laughs> it's, it's ordinarily like, wow, okay, well done, good job. Yeah. Um, congratulations. It's all very professional. It's, it's, it's very professional. Um, or Does anybody ever lose they, their temper? Or they just ignore you. <laughs> Serious. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Like, just, oh. And, and you can tell that they're unhappy about it. Um, or insult what, you. Yeah. Use a temper or insult you. Like in, in there have been many cases where I may have lost my temper. Prosecution barrister may have lost their temper. The judge may have lost their temper. It's human beings that you do. Within with. the court or outside of the um, court? Never when the jury are present. But behind closed doors. But, yeah, but, but certainly there, there, there are instances where there may have been heated exchanges. But mm. um, there's always a calling down and an acknowledgement that lost my temper, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, and then it becomes professional but It's again. human but, nature at the end of yeah, the day. Yeah, it's, it's human nature. Yeah. Has there ever been a case where, where you've lost the case and then like a couple of months later you think you, you think of something that you could have done that maybe would have had a different outcome? Um, I always think that. But to be, to be honest, I don't think the outcome would have been different anyway. It's just more a case that certainly as a barrister, um, the ethos is about professional and personal development mm-hmm. so I'm always thinking how could I have done something better yeah. even when I win I think could have done that flawless man like, yeah, yeah that speech was good but it could have been it could, it, it could have been great <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to talk about your MBE and how you received it and what you've done to receive such a accolade saying I didn't don't deserve nah, it nah. <laughs> is that why I got the Capri Sun <laughs> he's hurt by this Capri Sun you know? I thought to just go get some other <laughs> right now he told me get Capri Sun I was like really that's not freshly squeezed I, I didn't squeezed, hear anything oh, if you haven't got any evidence hey, no, comment, no comment <laughs> she's deleted the text messages but she can get them back <laughs> they're still stored um, no certainly in relation to MBE um, I received a letter in May last year saying I've been put forward for it. Did I want it? Um, I said yes. And after the announcement came out... So if you're going to say out, no, now I'm all right. Some people say no, to be fair. Um, after the announcement came out, I then received a letter just saying congratulations, explaining the reason why I received it. Um, and it was in relation to the work I've done with Urban Lawyers, but also um, the charity work that I'd done from pre-barrister days. So wow. I've always been involved... Um, with charity work. The first charity I worked with was an organisation called the From Boyhood to Manhood Foundation. Um, they're based in South London and they help young men that are kicked out of school get reintegrated back into mainstream education. That's a They've actually story. become an independent school themselves now. That's it. And um, I have so much love for that charity because they helped me pay for law school. Wow. Um, so at that time I was working in Sainsbury's um, in Dawson 
um, worth she's the solicitor's office. She's a supermarket. Yeah, I know. Whereabouts um, though? Like Frozen all Produce, produce department. Produce. Yeah, Royal Gala, Pink Lady, I know. Oh yeah. Uh, I, My I nose is apples. Yeah. You look at someone eating an apple lap. That's why it's so cut off on my oranges. <laughs> Notice that. Yeah, that's just not even real orange juice. He knows, like. he knows. That's yeah. why it's cut off. <laughs> he knows. He knows. He knows. It's a 12% orange. It's not even Del, it's not Del Monte or nothing yeah. like that. You know what I'm saying? It's Don Simon. So, um, so, yeah, it's certainly just in relation to uh, accumulation of work that I've done in the community. I've done work um, with a number of different organisations. Um, and, yeah, it was... It was uh, a welcome accolade to receive. Um, I'm happy that I got it, but just means now I just have to work, keep working hard. Do you feel that um, in this day and age that there's so many laws that it's becoming ridiculous in terms of like the watch, that like it just feels like the city is just being watched all the time. Nah. Like just... I think the biggest issue with the law is that people don't engage with the law until they have to. Um, I think people have a... Uh, boogeyman approach to the law where they think oh my gosh the law is bad you know you've got to be very careful and people automatically believe that the law is a bad thing there are laws that can empower you and enable you to do things that you're not aware of and what happens is that people only want to know the law when they in think trouble. they're in trouble yeah. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's the problem and certainly you know via urban lawyers um, the approach is to be in to get people to understand that the law is in every facet of your life. For example, you go to the shop and you buy me a Capri Sun, consumer rights. Yeah. Okay. It's true. Um, in relation to employment, when I speak to management about, you know, this bad treatment, employ, em, employee rights. Right, so these apples here, <laughs> what are we saying? What, what type of... Would you eat if, these if, apples? If you didn't pay for those apples, criminal law. So you can see that Robinson's. like in, 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 in every aspect of our lives, it there's a law. Mm. Even in relation to insurance. Like there is, there is so... But this is my point. It's just like, I no, feel... But, but why is that a bad thing? No, it's not that it's a bad thing. I just feel that like, for example, like... I'll give you an example. The drug testing thing, yeah? Like, I'll give you a scenario. My friend, yeah? He smokes weed. He's come back from a trip. My friend. Yeah, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's real talk. It's real like, talk. I know a boy. Nah, nah, it's real talk. It's a real friend talk. Of, I've got talk. a mate. Nah, it's real talk. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know I've got a Plug. friend. I, oops, I mean my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, basically, yeah, he got caught drug driving, but he hadn't smoked for like three days, but it was still in his system. And he's basically, they said to him, go and get your blood tested independently. We'll do our thing and this, that, the other. But he's saying, well, I haven't smoked for like three days. I've come back from Amsterdam, but it's still in his system. And it's like, well... If something's in your system from three days, how can you charge me for that, for like a substance like that's in my system? That have well, a... Would it not say like how strong? No, but, but, but the problem you have is that, again, speaking about this friend. And <laughs> yeah, I real speak, this is friend, man. I, I still got my license, I'm clean. <laughs> Breaks into the Kanye interlude. Um, is that there must have been a reason, right? Yeah. That the police stopped the friend. Now, the reason may be a legitimate one, or it may be, you know, facade, one, yeah. it, may, it, may, it may be a facade. But in any event, if there is nothing to hide, then do the test. Yeah. Um, to, to me, it doesn't really make any sense. It's more a case that um, if your friend knows that he wasn't under influence of alcohol, 
What's the issue? He wasn't, but it's in the system. When they no, done but, the test. But, but the whole point about it is that if it's in the system, yeah. they're going to be able to ascertain how much of it's in the system. Yeah. This yeah? is his point. He's and said, what impact. So it, for me, if what your friend is saying was true, is true, I, I don't see it. For me, in many instances, the reason why people he hasn't are been convicted yet, he's just saying that they've given him six weeks, he can't drive. Just, to go, go, with just, the just go and do it. Yeah. Now he's done it. They've took yeah. his blood and As stuff. As I said, yeah. Just, yeah, just, just do it. Um, the reason why is that it's more a case that they don't know whether or not he did it. They 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 believe that there was something in, influ, in influencing his driving. Yeah. He's going to be able to establish no or yes, and that's pretty much it. I mean, the story he gave me was nothing to do with his driving. He, I just, can't actually take it. <laughs> I'm being deadly serious. I, I feel I, like I, he's just talking about himself. Nah, how could I be talking about... Bye. Nah, because I'm not. You're mocking this thing. I'm, I'm just, talking about someone else. Like, it's not me. Like, no, but, but it's more a case where, like, for example... They stopped him for speeding, but he wasn't speeding, is what he said to me. And he said that they said that he saw him racing somebody, and he yeah, wasn't. But, but this, is, this, is, this, is, this is my view, right? At the end of this scenario... Yeah. What's your friend going to do? He's got his stuff tested and he said it was in his phone. No, at, at, the, at the end of it. So oh, if he's convicted He comes or not. back. No, let's not think negatively. Let's assume that there's nothing in his system, doesn't get charged, it goes away. What's your friend going to do? Nothing. Because what people do, okay. <laughs> Sick, <that's laughs> okay. Nothing. Listen, listen. what Next. people do is people will complain, but they won't do anything. And... His approach is he can make a complaint. I believe that I was stopped, you know, um, for malicious reasons. Mm. Um, as a result of that, I had to go and take a blood test, et cetera, et cetera. Um, something needs to be done about this. If he doesn't speak up, what stops someone else going through the same experience? So people complain about these things, but won't prevent somebody else going through it. And there are avenues available for him to make official complaints. But people don't complain. People will have a bad experience with the police yeah, the and problem. just say, you know what? I don't want to engage with the police. For me, having an approach that all the police are racist and bad is the same false line of thinking mm. that all black men are criminal. Yeah, mm. it's true. Um, so you've got, you got to be very careful about it. But at the same time, you have the power. That's the point about law. Mm. You're able to make a complaint. With you're the, able to take an action you're able to sue the police there are so many things that's why I'm saying that people think that the law is only there you know to punish them but it's not it's there to protect them oh yeah if you're not detained like I know that one like if you what are you stopping me for like am I detained like you have to have a reason apparently if you have to have caused harm theft or something or the other to, for them to actually arrest you or something like that's common law like there's too many laws to you know, know you know the funny thing about it again there are so many, um, what we call them, prison lawyers, roadside lawyers, yeah. Instagram lawyers. Um, YouTube lawyers. YouTube lawyers. <laughs> yeah. Snapchat lawyers. Yeah. Tells from the hood that <laughs> will go out and start giving people false, 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 false law. So that's why in many instances, people think there's too much law going around. Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Nah, that's real say, talk. So yeah. from my experience that people come and say, oh, Tony, what about this law? And I'm like, okay, that's nice. <laughs> on that on that note I, I wanted to ask you are, are there any like common law misconceptions any myths that you wanted to debunk um, like you know the whole like if you're married to someone you can't testify against them kind of thing like um, it's not that you can't testify but you can't be compelled to 
what's the difference between that? You can't so, be forced to. Yes. Right. So in, in many instances, if there's a witness available, um, the court has powers to compel a witness to come to court and give evidence. Mm. Uh, so you can be summoned, yeah. mm. a warrant can be issued and you can be... You, can, but you have you, to go. You, you can be brought to court. Bringing it closer to home, I just want to ask, the Mark Duggan case, to me it doesn't make any sense that like they said he was lawfully killed, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like, How, how do you make sense of this as a lawyer, like, as, as a barrister um, looking at <clears> it? Because... The police really should have been charged. Well, there are two. There, are, that's that's is my point. There has to be an understanding of it. It's a case where, if there was a finding, okay, that it was an unlawful killing, that doesn't automatically mean the police would have been charged. No. Um, why? Why is that? Because, Just understanding. Trying because to understand. that that's not a criminal allegation. Mm, yeah. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah. So that was an inquest trying to look at the cause of death. So what would then happen was that based on that finding, a decision may be made Word. by the police, CPS, probably not the police, the CPS, um, as to whether or not there'd be any charges. So people kind of have this misconception that the loss of the case meant that the police officers got off scot-free, even if the finding was their way around. It doesn't automatically mean the police officers would have been charged. Okay. Um, because in many instances, there are civil cases that are settled out of court. So there have been a large number of deaths in police custody. Um, no police officers ever been, been, charged, not been charged. But lots of cases have been settled out of court. What do you lots mean? Of, so lot, they've just given them a little money, just yeah. keep quiet? Like. Yeah, um, they've been sued and it's been settled out of court. Wow, to the point so, that they realise they're losing. So they, you know, the, the Mark Duggan case um, is a sensitive case. It's very emotive um, because of the impact that it had on most of the communities in London, yeah. to be fair. Um, for me, I, f I feel that the result didn't answer the questions that people had and, in fact, broke down the relationship even more between the community and the police because that level of distrust, that level of a lack of accountability means that people are now going to feel, what's the point of going to the police because they're not here to protect me? So it, it, it's, it's a very difficult case. Um, I, I think that it's created uh, a bigger divide um, and that a lot of work needs to be built up to kind of redevelop, you know, some sort of trust. Because certainly from me speaking to people, um, I was the legal advisor for the Citizens' Inquiry into the Tottenham Riots. Okay. And... There are a generation who don't want to engage with it. They cannot trust, they will not work with the police. They cannot trust the police. And that's as a result of Mark Duggan and other cases. Of course. And it's, there needs to be some evidence that there's going to be an accountability and that people can feel safe and that the police are there to protect them. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but like the relationship is very hard to repair when like, for example, Stephen Lawrence, I think there was a gentleman, um, an officer that was involved. Yeah. And he was literally, he could have been charged, but they didn't want to charge him because he was like two weeks away from retirement or something. I'm not too sure if you But then again, that goes back to my point that I was saying to you before that even if there are certain findings, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to result in... Yeah, a, in, a, in, a, a it, criminal it, conviction or a charge or... Yeah, yeah, a criminal charge. So... Um, but how again, do we trust them when like... No, but, but, but for me, it's a case where trust is something 
that has to be built up over time. Um, it's a small act. It's kind of akin to um, depositing money into a bank. What happens? You put a small amount in, keep putting in, you put putting in, and then there's interest. It builds up. It gets to a particular point in time where you have enough money in the account that you then start getting compound interest and it becomes much easier, okay? Whereas now, we're in overdraft. Yeah, <laughs> okay. minus. I'm in the red we're, right we're, now. We're, yeah. we're, we're, in, we're in overdraft. Um, and we need to actually, you know, get back to zero <laughs> first before we start working towards putting it in. I think it's something that should happen, um, but then it takes, it, it takes two. Um, there, there needs to be a dialogue um, between the community, people like yourself expressing how you feel yeah. and saying what the solutions are. You know, what, what is it that's going to make you feel like you can trust the police? What would you want to see? And, and, mm. and those are the things that will facilitate a solution. I think we've got a mayor that does care and like he does seem to like implement... What, what's your take on the mayors? And, and Which mayor are you speaking of? Sadiq Khan. Um, I think it's premature for me to comment on it at this stage. Um, I'd be interested to see um, his reaction, certainly in light of um, the recent attacks um, and just certainly in relation to racial conflict and or community issues with the establishment. There hasn't really been anything yet that's really tested him. So I can't really comment on mm. how responsive he has been or he will be. Um, but let's see. Um, the jury's out. <laughs> What's the most interesting case you've ever worked on? Uh, define interesting. Mm. What's the one that challenged you the most? That you was up late at night going through evidence. Yeah. Thinking, yeah. I had, I had, um, that keeps you up at night to this day. It didn't keep me up at night. <laughs> I had a trial um, for a young man from South London who was accused of stealing a pair of Air Max 90s from Foot Locker and breaking a police officer's jaw during the riots. Well, now, that case was tricky because the first thing his mother said to me was, we want a white barrister. Um, we don't think he looks good having a black barrister. Wow. Um, his mum was black. Um, but and, this is... And, this is, and, and wow. That's mad. That... that <clears throat> challenged Isn't that a setback me. for you? That, that, it challenged me because ordinarily you expect to be working collaboratively with the family, um, the defendant. But it felt like at every instance that I was fighting... Them. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I was fighting everyone. Yeah. Um, fortunately, the client was acquitted. Um, but it was just, a, it was a difficult case because the atmosphere around the riots at the time, being kind of a, a, alive to it, having an appreciation of the jury... Um, in a South London court, may have some feelings about the riots. <laughs> yeah. Um, my client fitting a particular stereotype, mm -hmm. his mother having a particular view, that was, that was challenging for me. Right. It wasn't necessarily a difficult case, but it was just challenging. And I had to really dig deep psychologically because I had to literally just block everybody out. Yeah. Block the judge out, block mum out, block, and just focus really on the case and doing a very good Is job. Is it hard to, to stay professional? Well, not professional, that's the wrong word, but... If, oh, you're trying to <laughs> <laughs> if you've got conflict with your own client, is it hard to not sometimes just be like, oh, fuck off then? What do you mean by conflict? I mean, like when you say your client's mother was unhappy with you. Um, 
it happens sometimes. Mm. Um, court cases are emotional. And in many instances, people are anxious and I'm sympathetic to the fact that people may express that anxiety in a hostile way. Right. Um, so it comes with the territory, to be fair. I guess you, um, you have to kind of become their therapist almost during yeah, that process. Yeah, you, you, become, you become therapist, lawyer. You just really have to get the job done. Was just, you the first person to go uni in your family? Yes. Mad. London Met, Yeah. Right? I'm a yeah. London Met kid as well. Oh, did you, oh, did you do your research because you saw my poster? <laughs> poster? Oh, is there a poster in the... Oh, did, were you in a Holloway campus? No, I went to um, Calcutta House. Oh, is but it? But it's now... Because um, they built the... Yeah, the yeah, yeah. I forgot what the name of the place is. Shame on me. Because um, it wasn't there when, when I was studying, but they built it now. The, the law school. Mm. I don't know what that's called either. Gooston Street. Gooston Street. Did That's you find it. like competition between you and your siblings? Because you went uni, nah, you were the first one to go uni. They had to. No, like um, my siblings are very supportive of me. Um, they're doing well. I'll plug my brother. Actually, he's got a celebrity basketball game happening on the seventeenth of April at night. Regal. So, what's happening yeah. down there anymore? So he's got like Richard Blackwood, Adam Deacon, Sway. I probably forgot who else is there. Governor B's there as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, um, playing, playing um, to raise money um, for ACLT. So there are tickets available. Check it out. But just certainly related to get the to, tickets, hit them up where you can get the tickets. Um, just to increase the following on Instagram, if you go to my page, right, <laughs> um, the links in my bio. Speaking um, of Instagram, feel, feel, yeah, free, I know. feel free to like as well and follow Instagram. Like your <coughs> captions are actually banter and yeah. your hashtags. Why? I was scrolling through it earlier. So you were lurking but not liking. Yeah. What was what that? Mean? <laughs> That's definitely. He's definitely in court. Where so you was yeah. lurking but you yeah. weren't what liking. I see? No, <laughs> I, I see kidding? something funny. Where was it? I was thinking. I like the one of you working out where it's like idea see, by Lethal Bizzle. Well. Yeah, no, I don't know. Well. Don't worry. Again, but you didn't like it. No, no. Where is it? no. Wow. No likes. You're gonna no be follows. stealthy with the stalk. Wow. You're gonna be stealthy. You're not really that stealthy because you just made it obvious. It's confession. This is my confession. Yeah, that's <laughs> just when you thought I could and like all the pictures yeah. on your face. But your jokes with your hashtags. Uh, you know, it's quite funny because um, people have different views about it. Some people like it, some people don't like it, to be fair. Um, but yeah, for me, the world is online as well as offline. And um, I just think I find it a good space. I actually like social media. Um, it's quite therapeutic when it's not an obsession. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, I must admit, I was I was reading a profile on you earlier on, and a lot of the comments were um, they were coming up against you, like saying that like course. you had too much of an ego or you were too into self promotion. Of course, but I mean, when I look at your Instagram, I see for like there's legal advice on there, like when the new phone laws came in. You see, you see what it is right is that so there was an article which was published about why I'm the most followed uh, barrister on social yeah. media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's what, what I was that, reading. That, that's what you yeah, saw yeah. it on. And there was a large number of, you know, negative comments. And certainly from, from my view is that there is a unhappiness that someone like me is getting attention and representing a very traditional profession. And it's akin to at a smaller level, what Serena Williams goes through. So, as great as she is, people will always find something negative to say. Mm -hmm. But that's because she doesn't actually fit 
the archetype image of tennis. Of tennis. Mm. Okay. Um, she doesn't look like the archetype tennis player. People believe she doesn't behave like the archetype tennis player. And as a result of that, she's criticised. Um, certainly in relation to me, people are critical, but that's because, one, they don't necessarily understand. Two, it's something new and they're not accustomed to. And alternatively, they may feel, well, what about them? Why are, they not getting yeah. any, why, are they, why are they not getting any attention? For me, it's more a case that I certainly want to encourage and inspire people to do things that they feel are not for them and that you can still be yourself. Um, I didn't go to a posh grammar school, so I'm not going to create or invent a lifestyle um, that's congruent with that because it's not true. Um, I believe I'm quite dynamic. I like grand music. I was going to ask. Right? Do you I like, yeah, we need to I get like, onto music. I, I, I like grand music, but you know, I may listen to classical music as well. Why do I need to choose? Yeah. Um, and in many instances people are just unhappy. But for me, it's more a case where it doesn't really matter. Mm. You know, I just stay focused um, and I just have to keep working Forget hard. Forget the haters. Yeah, yeah. They're entitled to, they're entitled to their opinion. Mm. It's not putting money in my pocket. Actually, it is because they're following and they're liking, so. Have you ever mm. declined a customer or client and said, you know what, bro, this is too much for me, bro. Like, um, you're going to fuck uh, up my rep. Yeah. <laughs> nah. As, as a barrister, there are, um, there are provisions which mean that you can refuse to do a case. Um, ordinarily it's because there's a conflict of interest um, there's a specialism or expertise that's outside of your ambit there's a conflict of interest if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today that's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
or it doesn't, <laughs> or it doesn't pay well enough. Mm. Um, and, and those are the, the usual reasons why people decline cases. But you can't just decline a case on the basis that, oh, I don't like this client. Oh, I'm going to think I'm going to lose. It doesn't oh, so really... if someone comes to you, you, you have to have a legitimate reason to decline them. Yeah, if, if, you're, instruct, if you're instructed on the case. Is there any cases you've avoided? Um, no. Not directly, like, or for, forget. No. Are there any cases that you've gone into and you're like, you've accepted them and you're working on them, but you're like, whoa, I'm a bit out of my depth here. Like, I need to pull my A game on this one. Most, ca- most, most, ca- most cases, to be fair. What's the um, most disturbing case where like, it's out of the world, like someone's run up, like shot gnarly. someone? Like, okay, I had a, I had a case. And all I, had, that I had a case in Leicester um, where, very disturbing case, where client rapes ex-girlfriend um, runs outside takes a cab driver hostage firearm head takes him to the middle of the road kicks him out of the car drives to another girl and attempts to rape another girl and gets apprehended so you were representing him and he was was he pleading guilty there were mental health issues in relation to that case right is it is that difficult? Um, all cases are difficult. It's just there are just different complexities, and it just means that um, I mean, the skills like that need to be different. From like a moralistic point of view, um, like if you know that your client's done this thing, but you have a job. So the one thing about it is that there are three elements in terms of um, sentencing, um, rehabilitation, deterrent, and punishment. And people focus solely on the punishment when someone's done something wrong or been found guilty but you also have to remember that um in certain cases in some cases um people convicted of crimes have to be reintegrated back into society at one point at some point point. and even if they're not um there is a responsibility to ensure that you know their well-being is addressed as well because we need to look at the cause of their offending behavior so um, my job certainly within that is not only defending people accused of crime, but ensuring that you know they receive a fair trial and that when they're sentenced, they receive a sentence that's not only the most beneficial for society, but also is beneficial to them as well. Has there ever been a time where you've wanted to take like a completely different career path? I didn't want to be a barrister. When I first started, I wanted to be an athlete. Um, I wanted to be a professional athlete, but I had African parents and that was not happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you got four options, um, barrister, doctor, doctor, accountant, failure. <laughs> That's harsh, <laughs> boy. Yeah. So um, in terms of career path, yeah, I, I wanted to be an athlete. To be well, fair. even like now, do you ever think, well, like, raw? Like, um, to relax a little do bit. Do you ever miss Sainsbury's? <laughs> uh, I do actually to be fair simpler times less to think about mm. to be fair um, yeah I do um, younger times where it was much simpler didn't have to necessarily worry about things um, in terms of future career paths I'm still relatively young um, how old are you we'll see. Sorry to ask. 33 that's sick man so, so you was around when the grime was like yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 I grew up on, on Wiley and you're a hackney boy as well yeah, so you were yeah. in it um, I'm trying to think what's my f- like favorite it's bizarre right i like dish tracks this um just for the culture um and i just think there's something about it that me- makes people dig deep and it was wiley's diss to the movement 
Oh, oh. <laughs> wow. Cold. It was like, Cold. it was like six minutes, right? Cold. <laughs> and ordinarily, you hear a song, and if it lasts more than five minutes, you're switching off. But I could play that song, and I was like, wow, the beat. Cold. Everything. I was like, what? And he replied, I think like 48 hours. And I was like, wow. Um, yeah, while he's like, like, he's someone that I just rate so highly. I was fortunate enough to actually meet him when I was out in Cyprus last year. He lives out there, apparently. He's got a yeah. shoe shop and food Yeah, shop very, 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 very business savvy. Yeah. But just in terms of someone that understands the industry, you can just look at how dynamic his music is. Um, like, he's just, yeah, just talented. So if he, if he has to go really gutter, he can. If he, can be, if he wants to be mainstream, he can. He's just... That diversity. Have like, you ever pulled up to court like <coughs> with the music thumping, like whipping excursion? You know, I'll tell you one funny story. Like, to court. defend the man and that you're playing some hollow. Like. My, my, my phone, right, is always on silent, and that's because I was in court, and during the times where you used to have music playing your ringtone. Um, witnesses in the middle of giving evidence, and I'm a hustler by Cassidy starts playing. <laughs> I'm a hustler, <laughs> and. It was one of those awkward moments where you know you're trying to turn the phone off, and it's not. Going. But it was one. Of, it was a Motorola Flip, oh. so it was not working, and literally it was the most. That was Did the most embarrassing it moment. Like... It was just um, a deafening silence. Um, but the prosecutor came out and was just. When we lived in the court, was cracking up, laughing. That, if it was a different ringtone, it may have been. Imagine. Yeah, maybe yeah. because James Blood. Yeah, no, 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 no. But the the, the first touch. Ask about, about me, me, nigga. Ask, ask about, about me, me nigga. So ask like, about me. Uh oh. <laughs> when it happened, I was like, no. So now, like, my phone does not. My phone doesn't ring. Like, literally, people get upset because I miss calls. But my phone, like, from that one experience, my phone doesn't. Surely, if you're in court and your phone rings, you're probably not picking up anyway. Um, I don't pick up. Regard. I'm a bit. I'm a bit funny like that anyway. Like, text me first. <laughs> so what? To so, so say, <laughs> so say someone gets in trouble and that, and they need to call you, like. It's, it's a myth, is it? Or um, like, say text, I get text. nicked and I'm like, yo, yeah. like, I can't get. Can I send a text off your phone, officer? Like, yeah. how do I get hold of you? Like? Well, you're like, so let's speak to management because clearly you might have some rights where you guys are paying for it, and we can we can discuss. Doesn't look like you're eligible for legal aid, so <laughs> yeah, they fucked up legal aid, didn't it? Oh, Capri oh Suns. No. <laughs> I think we should take a little break, still a little quick refresher, yeah, and come back on the flip come side. Back. Hi, I'm Trudy Barry. Make sure you subscribe to TBC Podcast on iTunes. If you have any suggestions on guests that you would like to hear on here, then just drop us an email at tbcpodcast at grimedaily.com. Yeah, we're back on the flip side of the TBC Podcast. Woo. Very special guest, MBE, someone in the community that's well respected. Thank you for your time so far. Um, moving on to a lighter note, I see you go to the gym. Dench. Guns. <laughs> How much you pushing, G? <laughs> What's that bench press saying? What's the weight? One twenty. Um, no, nah, heavier than that. One twenty. <laughs> I said heavier than that. Um, it depends, though. You talking like maximum one rep? Yeah. Maybe one sixty. With the Olympic bar as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, he's on. How many days a week do you go, Jim? Every day. What's on your playlist? Like, what are you listening to when you're working? Out? Um, so at this moment in time, it's weird because. If I really like a song, I may listen to one song for the whole workout, depending on how much. So yeah, today, I do that as yeah, well. it's a bit weird. Yeah, um, sometimes you get in that zone and you're just big, like, this is the tune. You hear the same thing. So if like cardio, but, if I'm if I'm one tune for a cardio, I'll just it, repeat it. It depends it. on like 
what space? So, for example, like today, I was listening to Mask Off Future. Purpose. It was and purpose. And it's not. Even, it's not even really. It's not even, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even really. It's not even really a. It's not even really a gym song, if you listen to it. Um, and it was quite bizarre. So when the Drake album came out, I was just listening to um, "Kissing My Teeth." I was just listening to that. Because that was the only song that I could really like listen to. Bring out the Storm- beast, yeah. Yeah, and then when Stormzy's album came out, it was Bad Boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you like the hyper ones. You're not bad, yeah. I'm bad ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But like at this moment in time, there wasn't anything. Like when Meek Mill came, like Meek Mill, as much as you know, I may have certain views on him, he produces Jim time music yeah. you need to listen to Rick Ross's new album then I wasn't a big fan you've been plugging this you know album what? listen oh, every day you, 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 know, you know the funny thing about it right is that I didn't like it I, what, I, the new Ross album yeah I didn't like it like maybe it's because I'm comparing him to Ross before he was famous because what, 06 Port of Miami days. yeah like you know um, that what's that song he did with Kanye um, Die Young um Live fast, die, die young. young. Yeah, I'm a hustler. Yeah. Um, some pants. Even Maybach, like he, there was just a different quality to him. Whereas now he was hungrier back then. Yeah. Whereas now, I think that he's hungry now. He's skinny. <laughs> I think that like he lost his weight. He lost his way, um, and I think that he's always going to be a good musician. But I just think that like he was influencing music. So in his prime people were doing what he was doing and he could do anything. Like he could make a song talking about anything and he was. Yeah. Right? Whereas now, it's very difficult for him to do anything because... Yeah, this album went under the radar, man. Yeah, like, because yeah. it's not really culturally re- relevant. It's not culturally relevant. What did he say on the album? What, in terms of sound, did he bring that's going to influence? It's not. He and the reason why... for Birdman, yeah. though. Yeah, what? That his, wait, that his watch was fake. He sent for him on a whole tune. And yeah. then he dissed Nicky a bit. I don't well. think he sent for him. Yeah, he did, he did, I don't no, think to, he to, sent to for me, him. I think the, he to, it. To, to me, what he did was um like he he breaded him to be fair. Because what he said was in essence he was like I love you, so I, I, love you. I, I love you. So what he said it was that it was kind of a case where I don't want any trouble with you, but I just want to let you know how I'm feeling. <laughs> okay. And, and that's that's how it felt to me. It wasn't really a diss track. No, nah, I don't because, think it was a diss track. Because he 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 still said you know, yeah, we're cool. This we're, is your my boy. You was my boy. Yeah, yeah I hate so, to, so, to come so, to this. I, I don't think there's an issue. I think I don't know. I think music now is at a very weird place where there's a f- focus on sound. So it's just about sounds now, not necessarily about lyrics um, or putting out anything meaningful. It's just about a sound, and that's the reason why you have people like you know. What's his face? Um, Lil Uzi, Lil Uzi Vert. Oh, I hate him, man. Mumble who, rap. Where, where, where they're not really saying anything, but they're selling records, okay? Um, to a lesser extent, the same with Future. Future's very basic, okay? But it's the sound, yeah? yeah? It's that kind of vibe, it's the energy. And that's probably the reason why Drake got a lot of criticism by having, you know, gigs um, featuring the album twice because there's a move away from having lyrical content. It's about saying yes 10 times on a track, repeating your words and not necessarily saying anything, but it just sounding very nice. Yeah, I've definitely, I've read a lot of people like tweets and stuff from kids being like, American kids being like, oh, but UK rap is mainly about lyrics, whereas we care about flow. 
So it's exactly what you've just said. Like it's it's not even like what they're saying that they give a shit about. It's literally just like sounds. the sounds. It's just the sounds. Like they're just processing the sounds. Exactly. So, um, but that being said, that's what we do in the UK because we have this kind of approach where we look up to the Americans like a big brother and we copy. So this whole auto-tune thing, I'm not going to name any artists in particular. They started doing the same thing that the Americans, they started doing the same thing that the Americans are doing. So I'm not saying any names. <laughs> He's not starting any beef on this show. I, I, I don't need to say any names. They defendant know, lawyer, they, man. They yeah. know who they are. <laughs> I defend. They might yeah. want him to defend them one day. You uh, never know. Yeah, music <laughs> like, shit, man. I ain't defending. Him. <laughs> yeah. Can't then, even speak properly. But yeah. then, but then it kind of trickles onto another point where, for example, where in my opinion, the US don't actually um, see themselves or align themselves with the UK in the same way that we do with them. So, for example, let's look at the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay, wasn't something that directly impacted um, the UK. But the UK did marches. They stood up. Shut down airports. Yeah. When things happen in the UK, the US... They don't give a shit. Yeah. I, I, this is my view. And what kind of brought this to my attention was Samuel Jackson's comment about the actors, okay, in relation to black British actors. Um, I was thinking, hold on a minute. What's going on here? It doesn't make any sense. Whereas we're very quick... Um, as a society to just copy and do everything that they do in the States, whereas they don't really have a regard for us. And from a musical perspective, I think that we should just be very careful about not losing our authenticity because a lot of the music that was good because it sounded British is slowly transcending into sounding American. There are a lot of artists that became successful by being and having that unique sound who are now sounding like Migos. Trap tap, trap tap. And I'm just quite confused because I'm like, what's you going didn't on come here? Up like that, yeah, yeah it, it, doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to me. So um, you can just kind of see it like socially, there's this kind of disassociation from the UK. Musically, it's the same as well. Have you ever had to defend any rappers in court? Or uh, I can't name them. Are they popular or? Can't name them. Okay. That's peak. <laughs> Okay, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you off, I'll tell you off, I'll tell you off the podcast. Has anyone like recognised you before in the street from a case and been like, "Yo, you was that guy"? Yeah, yeah. So, for example, um, but to be fair, it happens more people saying I follow you on Instagram. To be fair, that is so funny. That 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 that, that happens to me more than someone saying um, a case. But it happened the other day. I was travelling and someone said, "Oh my gosh, do you remember me?" And I was like, "Yeah, you were my lawyer." I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> It's kind of deep yeah. though, because if somebody sees you, because obviously, like, like you are a very massive part in their life. I mean, unless they're like getting that? arrested all the time. If like massive, if I had I had like a small role. I did my part and I moved on. Yeah, but <laughs> to I mean, him, like, to you, maybe. I mean, but to I mean, people. yeah. No, this is what I'm saying. No, this is what I'm saying. Like, like you, you go to court all the time, and you have like thousands of clients over the course of your career, but they may only have one barrister. They may only have one court case true, in their life. True, true. So you're a big part of their lives, whereas... True, it's a good point. You've got come up to you and you won't remember. Um, no, it's bizarre. Um, the one thing about the job that can be disheartening at times is that people show very little appreciation. So you never got no one give you a card like, you know, thank you or flowers oh, or... The funny thing about it is that I get more appreciation from like students I may have helped in the past that have now become lawyers. Um, there are very few clients 
who have been, you know, thank you very much. But very, very rarely. Are you serious? Very, very rarely. Very rarely. I guess you probably um, see it as, you know, they've paid you to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind, but I'm just saying that, you know, a thank you would be nice. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, I mean, like, freedom's the most important thing, right? Like, you say that, but I think that people don't value legal services as much as they do other things. Yeah, and you have the, to. The, the, the way I, it's not true. So, for example, there are a number of football players, again, who I won't name, who will argue about paying legal fees, but will go to the club and spend 10 grand on drinks. China whites. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, more Maddox and, and Libertine, to be fair. Um, Libertine is China White, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I ain't been raving in a minute, so yeah. Yeah, China White's like... Ooh, kill him. He's showing his age. He's showing his age. That's where Libertine is what China White used to be. Yeah. 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 I didn't even know it changed. That's how out of the circuit I am. So word. But yeah. I know. It's all those long driving trips with your friends. Getting stopped all the time and that, yo. Yeah. So, yeah. There was a point that you mentioned earlier, which... I inadvertently didn't answer and it was about perception. Yes. Common misconceptions when it comes to the law. Um, the, the, the biggest misconception is that the law is out to trap you, to be fair. Um, the law is there to regulate your life, daily conduct, and in fact to give you protection so you know what you can do, what can't, can't be done against you. And the misconception that people have is that the law is a weapon that people will often use against them or that they can use against someone. So in many cases, someone has a grievance and the first thing they may say to me is, Tunde, I want to talk to you because I want to know if I can sue this person. And I'm thinking, what, pardon? I'm a bit confused. What's going on? So a lot of people feel that it's a game and that you know, lawyers, in essence, just play a big game. And it's not. Certainly from, from my view, um, the law is something that has a big impact on everyone's life. Um, and it's something that needs to be taken very seriously. Um, people think lawyers are liars. Again, that's a big misconception. Um, Getting a lot he's of trouble la- if you he, lie. He's there laughing. <laughs> but, you know, um, barristers and solicitors um, have codes of conduct that regulate their behaviour. So they're not allowed to act in that way. And they can be sanctioned by their, their governing bodies. So they, they, don't, they don't behave like that. Oh, Bernie on the mic. Do you think the justice system is fair? No. Um, the problem that you have with that is that define fair. So the reason why I was so quick to say no is that someone who has lost their child will not think that it's fair that someone is only going to prison for a certain period of time. It never compensates their loss. Okay? Someone who, you know may have grown up in a broken or dysfunctional home, may have been a victim of abuse, who has then suddenly become engaged in criminality, may not feel that it's fair that they're going to be punished by the criminal justice system because they may feel that society has failed them. So for me, I gave you the answer. No. No, I gave you the answer. Like, I, 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 I gave you the answer. And, like I'm in, and, in, in and, 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 I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was coming to court right you now. Are in I, court, I object. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Um, and certainly, you know, from my view, is that we kind of people want to talk about fairness, but I think that the law objectively tries to satisfy competing interests. So the competing interest of the public. So the public want to feel safe and know that 
if something happens, there'll be consequences for it. But then at the same time, they need to ensure that the people that may have broken the law um, can still function within the society once they're released back into it. And in some instances, um, someone's not going to be happy. Like, someone's not going to be happy. So it's like, the question for you is, is the justice system fair for who? Is it fair for the victims of crime? Is it fair for those accused of crime? And then it becomes a bit more specific. Is it fair for particular groups? So, for example, you know, David Lammy um, is, you know, commissioning a report looking at um, the criminal justice system in relation to ethnic minorities, in particular black males. Um, and there's statistical evidence that it discriminates against black men. So for me to turn around and say to you that it's fair, I, I can't say that to you. But the one thing I can say to you is that um, it's fairer than it has been, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Because certainly um, the law has evolved um, and the law always does evolve um, to catch up with society's needs. So pre-1985, um, police officers didn't have any regulations in relation to making notes about what happened at the scene of a crime. They can, in essence, do what they want. Whereas PACE came into force, which meant that, you know, the police were regulated in terms of how they collected evidence, how they did identification procedures. And that was the law's response, because pre that, you had issues with the SUS law, where, again black men predominantly were being stopped and searched, being discriminated against, and the law responded. So from my experience of it is that the law is always playing catch-up. Um, its objective is to be fair, but it's a process. Is that an answer? Yeah? Is that an answer? Is that, did you get an answer? <laughs> you happy? Yeah, Fee in the post, in, man. In, in cases like IPP where people are serving... What, life, life, potentially life sentences? Yeah, for stupid crimes. But you, but you say stupid crimes. Like barbaric. Yeah, you, you, you say that, but for example, the reason why um, people are given indeterminate sentences, so the term is indeterminate, is there's been a dangerousness test, meaning that this person poses a danger to society and therefore cannot be released until that danger has been eradicated or alleviated. And that's the court's view, saying that, well, in fairness to the general public, they need to be safe. So we need to protect them from this person. Now, from your point of view, you may feel either as a defendant, that's not fair, why am I going to be locked up and not know when I'm coming out? From a defendant's family point of view, you might be thinking, well, hold on a minute, that's not fair, like, he should know. But how do you satisfy the competing interests of fairness? So that was my point in relation to, like, irrespective, there will be someone who won't feel that the law has been fair or the law has been just. Do, do you believe in it? I, I just want to know, like, as a lawyer... I just want to know. No, no, I just want to know. listen to me. Sound like Meek Mill. Because you are, like, a moral guy. and Wow. Compliment. It's a compliment. To, to, try, to try and get an answer you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but how do, you, how do you distance yourself from being emotional about the law? and being matter-of-fact, like... Um, so, the one thing that people have to kind of appreciate is you need to have an understanding of what the law is. So, certainly in Commonwealth jurisdictions, um, the trial process is not an investigation for the truth. 
So people kind of have this illusion that when you go to trial, it's an exploration or an investigation of the truth. It's a fact-finding exercise. On the evidence, which is before the court, some of it may not be admissible or get to the court. Can we establish so that the jury is sure that this person did the crimes, if not the person? And that's my job. So my job isn't about whether... It's not about the truth. So people kind of fail to appreciate that and then they misconstrue that they're a moral element. My job is essentially, based on the material that's presented before the court, is that enough to establish that my client did it? That, that, that's, that's the job. So that's why I'm able to be so matter of fact. There are instances where um, there are social issues. Um, there are issues that, you know, invariably become entwined into that. But for me to do a really good job, I have to be objective, you know? And um, people feel that being emotional is, is a good thing and being passionate. It may be. Everything has its place, but it's how you channel it. And certainly for me, I need to be clear-headed. Certainly, you know, from my experience, being emotionally attached to something doesn't allow you to, to view it with objective eyes because I need to see what the counter-argument is. You know, if I'm too engrossed in, oh my gosh, it's not fair, I may miss something, which is probably more important than what I think about a case. Um, and also as a barrister, um, your job is to be objective. Um, as a barrister, you're overriding duties to the court. You're not allowed to mislead the court. You have to defend your client, but you're not allowed to mislead or lie to the court. Have police lied to the court in front of you or in evidence? And what happens to them when they've lied or um, deterred away from the truth? It's interesting because what's a lie is, is flexible. Um, there are instances where witnesses generally have been inconsistent. Um, it may be because they're lying. It may be because they're embellishing. It may be because they don't remember. Um, that's something that, that happens, happens, happens in all courts. Um, the question you're asking is, you know, have I seen something that appears to be deliberate or malicious? And I haven't. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've seen something that is inconsistent or unreliable, but whether or not it's something that's deliberately intended to cause an injustice, I don't know. Yeah, and I certainly can't say that I have seen that. Have you ever been a witness in a case? No, I've been sued though. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, to talk about it. it. Um, someone tried to sue me um, and they were unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> More, that's the long and short of the yeah. story there. Was it an ex-client? Did you defend yourself, yeah? Um, defend yourself. No, in, 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 I will be representing in, 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 myself. In, 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 in part. So I was a litigant in person. Um, but I did have a barrister um, that did the advocacy. What's your fees like, for example? Like, let's say... Hypothet- How much money you no, really got? No, in hypoth- hypothetically speaking now, yeah, let's say... What car are you driving? Yeah. I've, I've done a move, yeah? I've robbed, I don't know, something from somewhere which is worth, like, 10 grand. And, like, they've got me on CCTV and I come to you, like, yo... Boom. How much would that case work? How does it work in terms of like... It doesn't really work like that. So um, the way that you kind of categorise um, payment will depend on the nature of the crime. It will depend on how much paperwork's involved. So how many pages are in the case? How many witnesses? Um, it'll also depend on how long the trial is likely to be. Because, for example, if it's a five-day trial, you'd be charged for five days plus preparation. If it's a three-month trial. So it all depends. 
What, what are we talking? Depends. You guys are trying to work out how much money right. they're Yeah, we really are. No, no, no. <laughs> no, not even, but I just want to know because like legal aid's messed up with what they've done with the government. Yeah, I'm but, just but, trying to understand a, a, so, a so, medium. So, so, so basically, what I'll do... I'm, 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 well, not, you can I'm, just say what you start from. I'm not going to I'm not gonna say what I start from. I'm going to speak objectively. I'm going to speak objectively in relation talk, yeah, to... Yeah, I'll speak objectively in relation to, you know... Like um, all four of us. To general barristers. Um... So legal aid barristers, um, when you, so when I first started, actually, I'll tell you what I did when I first, when I first started off, the first year I got paid £800 a month, okay, when I was training. So when I was training to be a barrister and I was doing a pupillage, which is your apprenticeship to be a barrister, I got £800 a month, okay? Um, however, um, in this day and age, chambers pay a different... Um, no, they pay, they, pay, they pay differently for pupillage. So some people are getting £12,000 for the year. Some people are getting forty five. Some are getting sixty. But I was going to say, I know a but, lawyer who's training yeah. at the moment and he's on like forty five. Yeah, but but during my time, so I'm, I'm going back like 10 years ago, that, that wasn't the case. Mm. Um, certainly in relation to legal aid barristers, um, it all depends on the work you do. So if you're someone that's always in the Crown Court doing lots of work, um, if it's predominantly legal aid, you may make 50, 60 grand maybe 70 grand. If you're doing um, a combination of private work and legal aid work, you may make 100 grand a year. If you're doing more private private work than legal aid work, you might make 250, so how much 300. Training have I got? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it varies, but you know, the focus shouldn't necessarily be the money because certainly when you start off, you know, you're getting paid 50 pounds in the magistrate's court. So, um there, there are people. There are there are people that make that are making good money. You know, there was a list that came out a few years ago which spoke about legal aid barristers making a million pounds, seven hundred thousand pounds a oh, year. Oh shit! Um, and that may have been the reason why they started to, in, to make the cuts because <laughs> because there was a belief that people were making too much money from a system that was designed, you know, to serve the public. Because in essence, it's a public service, yeah. so it shouldn't necessarily be. There's a misconception though about um, legal aid lawyers. I heard they're the shittest in the country. But again, that's just another hood theory, and it like it that doesn't actually make sense. So the reason why I, I kind of I, I, I took my time um, thinking how to articulate a response was because legal aid is contingent on your individual circumstances. So a lot of people um, that claim to be from the hood, that claim to be making money. Mm don't have any money. Yeah, of course okay? they don't. So um, they'll be wearing Libertons, Balenciagas, but they can't pay for their own lawyers. Okay, so they'll be on legal aid. So the same people that are saying that, you know, legal aid lawyers are the shittest, don't really have an appreciation for the fact that those are the lawyers that you're going to get because even if you do have money, it's illegitimate. So you're not going to be able to pay for it anyway. Okay. I'm just not me so, personally yeah. I'm just saying so, what I've heard. So, so for me, it's more a case where... For your friend, yeah. Like there is... <laughs> The distinction between, you know, someone doing legal aid and someone being paid privately is more in relation to the resources and the time available to be spent on your case. So, for example, if someone paid me privately, um, so I've got a few private cases at the moment. Um, if someone pays privately, it means that I can then block out time because I'm self-employed to focus on that case. Whereas if I'm self-employed, I need to be calculating, you know, how many cases I can do to ensure I make a certain amount of money. So it becomes a volume game. So the only distinction between it is that legal aid lawyers customarily work harder and do more work. And people may feel that their case are not being prioritized because that person's got, makes so, sense. Much, makes got so much sense. on. Makes Whereas if it's sense. private, I'm only going to have five clients. 
I'm dedicated to you specifically. Yeah, so that's it. But in terms of quality, you have lawyers who do legal aid work who are amazing. You have lawyers that do private work that are are shit um, and vice versa. So um, one is not contingent on the other. Um, But, you know, that being said, you know, um, people that do are able to pay have a tendency of paying. Yeah. Now, I'll just... Because, again, it's just the conception of, like, yeah. The hood myths. Yeah. The hood yeah. myths. Yeah. Say you did get legal aid. But you will get legal aid. If you, if, you, if you... So, for example, legal aid works this way. Can, if can, you, can I finish my question? No, I object. <laughs> I object. I object. Continue, sir. <laughs> well, I was going to say, does a lawyer have the duty to tell you how much cases they're working before you accept them as your lawyer? Um, I was going to... So the point I was going to make was actually going to assist you on that is that in relation to, to legal aid... I feel like I'm in court. Um, <laughs> this is getting tense. There's a category. So for example, um, if you're not making a certain amount of money, um, you get legal aid automatically. Um, if you're making over that amount, you you may still get a legal aid, but you may have to make a contribution towards it. What's the amount? What's the threshold? Is it 20 grand, 30 grand? 16, I believe. 16, 18. That's quite low. Yeah, it's, very, it's That's quite low. very low. low. So basically, yeah, if you're, so for example, let's say I'm eight, earning 18 grand a year and I get a theft case, I, I'm fucked then, really, isn't it? Well, not necessarily, <laughs> because what happens is that you'd still be able to fill in the legal aid forms, but they may say you may need to make a contribution. So they may say, we're going to give you legal aid, but you may need to contribute £500 or £1,000 towards your case. But there are some instances where um, you're making so much money that there's no point if you even bother filling the forms in. You just pay privately um going back to your point um in relation to an obligation to tell you know your client about the cases what happens is that the client will contact the solicitor if it's legal aid solicitor will then instruct the barrister um the client has a choice as to whether they have that barrister or even if they have that solicitor and client can ultimately choose who they want now the barrister has no obligation to say to you oh my gosh i'm working on these million things but a client can ask client can ask um, but in many instances, that's a conversation that the client asks the solicitor, to be fair. So the client will ask the solicitor, is that a good barrister? You know, is he someone that's going to fight and work on my case? And that's a dialogue that often happens that way, rather than directly asking a barrister. Because if you ask someone, are you going to do a good job and work on my case? Invariably, the answer is going to be yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So How likely the is the solicitor to be truthful? Um, well, from my experience, it's in a solicitor's vested interest to deliver a good service to the client because the client if they receive a good service, will then re- recommend that solicitor to their friends. So it's a servant-driven in- industry um, where clients happy, it means more work. Clients unhappy, that that potentially can take you out of business. That's mad. It's so, it's so many dynamics to the court yeah. system and stuff like that. It's very rare that you get a chance to... See the wig thing. If it falls off, like, do you get in trouble or anything? Or if, if like, no, that is the best question. <laughs> how, yeah, can I be no. the, how can that be the best question? I, I should make him put it on his head. <laughs> oh, please <laughs> do. Yeah, he's yeah, got his it's, wig it's and his gown. And his gown. Yeah. Right yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the gram. New jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 what is the history behind that whole thing? <laughs> Don't you think they look fashionable? I think they look groovy, babe. But no, um, like... <laughs> tra- tra- tradition, tradition, tradition. But what is the tradition? Like... You know, there, there are so many different rumours. Um, oh, so nobody knows. Um, Somebody just wore it one day for fashion. But because, because I'm a lawyer, I like to be like evidence-based. So um, a lot of the reasons that 
I've even researched or found um, may or may not be true. But certainly um, the most popular explanation is that in relation to the wigs and gowns, um, middle class and upper middle class society historically wore wigs. Um, you may have be familiar with that by watching documentaries and the bar was a tradition that retained that. In relation to the wigs and gowns, um, apparently barristers used to wear wigs and gowns that were different colours to indicate what practice area they specialised in. But there was a death of a monarch and as a result of that, the gowns became black as a sign of mourning. I wasn't around in those times. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just do as I'm told. Yeah. So, so certainly that's it. But the reason, but if you don't wear your wig and gown, um, or if you forget the, it. Ju the judge won't listen to you. You have to literally seek permission. Like, can't hear you, won't see you. You have to be dressed appropriately for court. Wow. Um, I never forgot it, ever got there. I mean, like, oh, fuck, I ain't got it. Like, yeah, I've wig. done that. I've done that. I've, 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 there have been instances where I forgot my wig and gown. And they I've don't seen, have spares I've at the back. No, like, I've, like I've, lost, I've, lost seen, I've seen a barrister at court um, and I've been like, I need to go in. Can I quickly just. <laughs> They never know anymore that wig, nigga. And then I go in, do it, and I return it back. Is there like certain etiquette that you have to follow? Loads of etiquette. So when you go into a courtroom, um, you bow. Do you okay. find that demoralizing that you're bowing? For no, what it's, 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 it's custom and tradition. It's, it's, it, to, to me, it's quite similar. Like, if, for example, you come from, you know, um, an African household, if I see an elder, I, I'm going to bow or prostrate or, or kneel. So, you know, it's just um, a tradition and, and a custom. Um, that you adhere to. Um, You're only allowed to drink water out of a plastic cup as well, right? Correct. Yeah, glass can be used as a weapon, isn't it? They can use it to throw it or something. Apparently. Not necessarily. There's some cases where, where I've, I've had a glass cup in certain courts, but it's more a case that you're only supposed to be drinking water and the reason why it has to be a see-through cup is so you're not drinking anything else. And um, having a hard day at court on the brandy, yeah. <laughs> even though even, though, even, even, of you, even, yeah. even though vodka is transparent, apparently. <laughs> Like, what's um, so, for example, um, there's a uniform. So barristers have to wear a suit, dark colour suits. Um, historically, it had to be three-piece or double-breasted, whereas now it can be a single-breasted suit. Um, the objective of that was that you have to show as little sh shirt as possible. Why? Any reasons or theories? Um, practicalities, I anticipate, um, because... The gown, day. well, not even that. The gown and the wig is a, an equaliser. Um, certainly, it's akin to school uniform. Um, you can't necessarily see who's got a better suit. That's the theory of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> they recognise you. <laughs> I noticed the cufflinks. And What's the, the most amount of money you spent on a suit? Uh, no comment. Come on, man. <laughs> Free the realness. How many suits do you own? Must be bare, one for every day or some shit. <laughs> um, I'm still counting. One second. He's definitely He's on like one seventy of the higher now. money. I've got, I've got a lot of suits. <laughs> what are we talking um, like twenty? Maybe more than that. More than that. Your dry cleaning bill must be off the hinges. Maybe. Maybe. What? That's like an own wardrobe. What to yeah. you got like your track suits in one and I was gonna say, yeah. what, so, what do you so wear got, when you're not in a suit? Like, are you rolling around I'll, in an Adidas track I'll wear suit? Graham Daly bomber jacket. Hey. 
Daily. Talk that rap, shit, rap, yo. Rap, 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 rap. <laughs> oh, I grab daily. Well, we like it. Um, no, it's quite bizarre. So when I'm in, um, you should have done this from your your, your Instagram lurking. You should have seen what I wear when I'm casual. Come on, um, you don't want lurking well enough, man. I you got to do a job in the flock. Um, shit. Yeah, apparently, apparently I look like someone who I may defend. Is the comments that I often get on on the pictures you that may I post? What? I look like someone who I should be defending. Is a comment. Oh yeah, but I, that, that old chestnut. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, hang on. Actually, wait. No, I oh. have seen pictures of you on your Instagram in like turtlenecks with blazers and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I wear jeans. <laughs> I wear jeans, baseball caps, tracks. It's just ordinary clothes, to be fair. Have you ever been caught out like? Driving or like in a party, just skanking out, and someone's like, "Hey, you're that lawyer," and you're like, "Oh yeah. shit, yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> that, that's happened to me quite a lot, to be fair. So that's why I'm quite a bit cautious about where I go because you're getting a whipping excursion and yeah. you're dabbing, and someone's like, someone, like, <laughs> like, literally, someone will come and be like, "Oh my gosh, Tunde." I remember where was I? I was at Maddox, and someone did that. Someone came up to me and said, "Tunde, what are you doing here?" Uh. <laughs> looking for clients, man. Looking for clients. That they come no, in. Nah, looking for the ting, innit? No, no. <laughs> nah, nah, that's good. No, nah, literally, it was like, thank you very much. You know those ones where you just yeah. Com- there was no, there was yeah. no, there was no conversation. It was like, oh yeah, nice to meet you. <laughs> and I was, and I, and I was off. No. So you're not married, no kids, or no, no, no. Puffing and bottles, yo. He says at Maddox, yo. What day was this? Listen, listen. I'm gonna say you did list off a lot of those West End, so we can go straight to track of the week if you want. Yeah, let's go to track of the week. (laughs) (laughs) What day was you in Maddox? Just asking. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of more like. So yeah, what? Actually, a savage, Bernie. But you turn up though like a normal person, like Bur- no worries. Bernie was li- <laughs> Bernie was like literally, I don't know what he was attempting to do. Like, were you trying to assassinate my character <laughs> or what? I don't know. Like for the but 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 for but but for the listeners, you know, I'm not an unsavory character. I like to enjoy myself, but follow my insta if you're feeling with, with, me. Within the parameters of the law. Yeah, of course. No, this isn't Tunde on Tinder or anything like that. Like I'm fi- I'm, your, I'm, your voice I'm is fine. taking a whole different tone now. <laughs> a very seductive tone. Oh wow, wow. I didn't know I was having that impact on <laughs> Wow, okay. This sofa just need, gets smaller. I, I, I don't know. Is, I, I need my own show, clearly. <laughs> is there ever a time, yeah, where you want a proper switch on someone. Like, shut up, you're not listening to me. But then you need to hold it down and be like, sir. All the time. Well, you got clients that be like, but bruv, I'm telling you this. And you're I like, had, I had a client shout at me, F, I'm blind today, actually. Just. Well, has anyone said, I'm paying your wages? Like, do as I say and shit like that. You know, the funny thing is about it is that people that say they're paying your wages are. Often the ones that only get laid, the ones that the, the ones, <laughs> the ones cheap shots, the, the ones that are often paying the wages would never really say that. To be fair, um, it's the ones that um, are on legal aid. It's like you know, you're paid to do here, I'm paying you to do. You're like, and brother, yeah, whoa, it's whoa, quite, whoa, it's you're weird. contributing, whoa. In some cases, they're not. It's just a signature on the legal aid forms, um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's the government that's paying, um, but. It's just people. People are different. Um, there's, and that's one good thing about the job. I meet people from different backgrounds, um, and they just engage differently. So, have you had like a gangster chick that's like been caught with firearms or caught with like drugs and stuff yeah, like, yeah, about yeah. it? I don't mean, fuck. Yeah, like. yeah. 
Um, I had um, um, a female client who what was up for kidnap, robbery. Uh, was so she done the kidnapping and the robbery, yeah? We, we got off the kidnap. We got off. <laughs> we got off. Did we get off? We got off one of the robberies. We got convicted on one. Um, but yeah, but that's the thing. Crime isn't gender specific. So certainly from the job, um, I just had a kind of greater appreciation in relation to the fact that crime doesn't discriminate. People just commit crime. Whereas the public's perception or misconception is that particular people commit crime. Um, and that's not the case. It's more a case that stereotypically we like to promote, accept and reinforce the idea that only particular types of people do certain crimes. But it's not true. For my job, I've had like, you know, fraudsters from other countries besides Nigeria. <laughs> okay. Um, and you laugh. It's true. But laugh, that's the most common conception yeah, is that they you know, do that, yeah. So um, that's one of the good things about the job. <laughs> what's, what's, what's the what oldest? Where are you from? <laughs> what's the oldest, cl- oldest client no, he, you've he, had? He's trying to swerve the shot. <laughs> that's why. What's the oldest client you've had? Like, you know, like them guys that done the burglary in Easter two years ago? Oldest yeah, client? Like, yeah. They're old, like, have you had any old old English gangsters? Like, fucking, you know what I mean? Fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Phil Mitchell type. Yeah, but, over 50 gangsters, I'm talking. Yeah, but um, they're, they're, they're the best people to work with, to be fair. Because um, they understand it. They, they understand <laughs> it. There's no stress. You do a good job. They work with you, and it's very collaborative. Um, yeah. Um, and the nature of their offences are very different as well. So certainly from my experience of dealing with mature clients that fall in the category that you described... Um, you like how I said that? Isn't yeah. Um, so articulate. Money, I know, money, isn't money, it? He just knows his words just, very just well. Switch it up. <laughs> so it's like, all right, let's get back to hood again. So, um, yes, yeah, normally money laundering um, and just different types of events. It's not anything stupid like uh, armed rob. It's just different. Yeah, it's just different. It's just it's just different. They're a different caliber of criminal. So, in your ten years, how many cases do you think you've done? I don't know. Just like how many suits I've got. How many have you uh, lost? How many have you lost? Can you count that? Or I've lost a lot. I've lost a lot. I win more than I lose, but I've lost a lot. To be great. My motivation is to be great. I just want to be great. Um, pretty much been my motivation in relation to like any and everything I do. I go to the gym because so I just be great. Um, in terms of my appearance, I want to look great. Just everything. I just have this ambition to be great. So even if, for example, I don't stay in the law... Anything I apply myself to, I just want to do it to an excellent standard. And that's pretty much been the motivation. Um, what supported that in relation to law was just having friends who I felt were failed by the system, failed by the criminal justice system. You would have changed. Well, it's not even really a change. Now I'm an example of what they can do. Not necessarily what they should do. So, for example... In many cases, the reason why people don't do things is because they don't have the belief. They, they haven't seen anyone they can identify with to think that it's possible. So now they've seen me, hopefully they can still identify with me. Um, they say, I could be a lawyer. Or if I don't want to be a lawyer, I can be a doctor. Because there's someone who I know who has achieved some sort of success who is like me. So that's pretty much the motivation. That's a weird question. Where do you want no, to take I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna ask that as well. Where do you want like, to take it? I'm kind of like, yo, <laughs> yeah, take this outside, yeah. Um, like, thinking, can you like, see yourself Tunde, like progressing into like? Can you see yourself being a judge one day? Um, the options are the options are there. You know, bust me think, if I ever see you as a judge, bro. <laughs> yo, yo, Tunde, yo. <laughs> He's gonna do the Harvey Bye thing. It's funny. <laughs> 
I gave you that jacket, bro. Remember that, yeah? <laughs> Sit down. I do not know you, sir. What podcast are you referring to? <laughs> never. GRM. I mean, never. Like, Hold on a minute. It wasn't you. It was your friend that gave me a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> That same friend that was in Amsterdam. <laughs> the, the key for me right now is that I don't feel I've mastered what I'm doing at the moment. So when I get to a stage of proficiency where I'm happy, then I'll think about, okay, what's next? Yeah, so there are a number of options available to me. Um, becoming a judge, becoming Queen's Counsel, which is a senior barrister, um, or even leaving the law. Like, But... Um, I'm still at an early stage in my career and there's lots of work for me to do at this current stage. On that note, let's take it to track of the week. Track yes. of the week. <laughs> what's, track, what's, what's track of the week? Just your favourite song. It can be Not, old. It can oh, be I like, can pick. Just, yeah, like, track, every, yeah. We all do one. It's just what you've been banging out the most in the last seven days. Let me get my phone. My phone will, my phone will help me with that answer. Oh, I'm on uno momento. This guy, this is the million, the million, million pound phone, yeah. <laughs> All them Tinder messages, boy. Yeah. That's clients, boy. I'm not, I'm not All my DMs, Pap. Listen, I'm not on Tinder. That's clients. Tinder, I'm trying to get hold of you. I'm saying in the cells. On, Instagram notification. Are you on the elite Tinder? What's on your case, by the way? Is it's that you? It's a picture you? of me, yeah. That is so funny. That's pretty wavy. Um, track of the week. So what was I listening to? Let's go to most recently. Play, most, most played. Um... Mario is my track of the week. Okay, I'll give mine. Mine, I'm the only one that came prepared, evidently. You guys didn't warn me. Prince, if I was your girlfriend. Really? Okay, mine's Lil Uzi Vert, Exo Tour Life. Don't talk to me. Lil Uzi Vert's not allowed to use podcast as any good. Nah. Dead, lock that off. No, that's Nick. Are you going to follow up Prince of Little Uzi Vert? Like, come on now. Purple. Can't be feeling this. I beg you lock it off. It's no. giving me a headache still. No, I, I, you know, Dead. I'm, actually, I'm actually disappointed with you. What, me? Yeah. Not only did you bring me the Capri Sun. I'm just not going to turn up Vert, next to you. You know? started playing Uzi Vert after we had a long dialogue about... How shit Uzi Vert is. Well, to avoid, any de- trends, to avoid any defamation suits, I didn't say that he was shit. I just I'm said saying that, he's shit. I just said that... <laughs> Um, in terms of his talent and ability, there, there's room for improvement. <laughs> he's nicked. He's washed. Lawyered. Worst rapper ever. Rene? Uncle Murder Cameron. Cameron voice remix. You tough, right? You got yeah. Is that live, live. or? Live, yeah. <laughs> Hold tight the jokers inside. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the audio version, studio version. Yeah. Oh, oh, you playing it? No, 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 no. Rebecca gets carried away. She has this <laughs> thing like, where she wants everyone to hear um, it. Like, What's mine? Mine is um, Mike, Will Made It, and Big Sean on the come up. Nice. That album's hard. Oh! (laughs) 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 Is that what you play when you're walking into court? (laughs) That's what he plays in his headphones when he's walking into court, you know? No, I play Rocky. I play, I play, yeah, Billy Conti. Like, seriously, go in the distance. <laughs> when you're walking through the metal detector, just to get through the metal detector, just lingering <laughs> up and like, yeah, no, 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 seriously, like, keep on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my alarm in the morning as well. Yeah, you're motivated. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. lie, that's pretty good. You must get out of bed, do two, pe- ten press-ups, yeah. brush your teeth, ten press-ups. 
50, bro. 50, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you seen these guns. <laughs> I like you know what's up, yo. <laughs> but now, nah, thank you today for your time. I appreciate it. We You're appreciate welcome. the yeah. TBC podcast. Um, anything you want to plug about um, your business, your basketball game with your brother? Um, follow Urban Lawyers on social media. Um, my brother has a charitable basketball game on the 17th of April um, at Night Regal. Um, for information... Check out my Instagram. What's your the links Instagram? in the bio. The Instagram's my name. Yeah. T U N D E O K E W A L E. You don't need to follow, but support his event. Woo! So thank Woo! you for your time and the positiveness provided. We out till next week. Bye. Hi, my name's Sundar Kiwali MBE. Um, you're listening to the TBC podcast on Grime Daily. Subscribe, listen in, tune, follow. Even on a budget. Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.